Hi, this is the Trying Again podcast, a story of miscarriage. I'm Rachel Smith. This is a podcast of passion as I decide whether to try again for a baby following multiple miscarriages. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for joining me. It may be useful to go back to episode one and listen through, because in this episode, I'll be reflecting on the series so far. Trying again for a baby at any time, but certainly after loss, is a personal and private conversation. Why then, I hear you ask, am I putting that conversation out on a podcast? Well, Google trying again after miscarriage and you'll see a wealth of information and news stories. Women who suffer a miscarriage should try for a baby again within six months, a major study has found, is one title of a UK newspaper. No need to wait to try again after miscarriage is on an NHS article. Advice on the Miscarriage Association website at the time of recording says, During the coronavirus pandemic, you may wonder about waiting longer than you had planned before trying to conceive, particularly while access to early pregnancy and maternity care is somewhat reduced. But the situation is changing all the time, and at November 2020, there's no clear guidance, so this is very much a personal decision. Throughout the podcast, I've been joined by some amazing men and women who shared their stories of trying again, miscarriage and baby loss. I, I've talked about the forum and I don't know whether you've seen it, but but there are there are various discussion boards within the forum. And there are two on trying again. One is trying again for people who've who've you know had a baby, or and one is trying again for people who who haven't. And, and people have strong feelings about who they want to talk to. It's like you know, I remember when I was first trying for a baby and, and a bit of an elderly mother um, and not getting pregnant and and then having to tell close friends that when we finally did conceive because they were going through exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And and I felt dreadful having to tell them that I'd succeeded. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that so had they and our kids were born two days apart. Oh. But... But what was extraordinary about it was this feeling of, you know, you're you're breaking the rules. Yeah. It's going to be hurtful for someone else. You know, I had a whole year last year where we didn't try. It was it was too we'd had a fourth miscarriage and we're still being told, well, you know, just keep going, keep trying. And actually it was um that's quite a hard thing, I think, when nobody's giving you any sort of anything different to try. You kind of stumbling around still aren't you like no answers and well I think because the doctors to the doctors I think they I mean they I guess they to them it means there probably isn't anything wrong but to you it becomes so hard to believe that yeah next time will just be different and it'll be fine I thought like oh I'm so embarrassed I'm I've got to be the only one who has still held on to a positive pregnancy test and then, you know, you see all these other people out there who've also held on to their positive pregnancy tests. And, you know, it kind of makes you feel like there's nothing wrong with you that you're doing this. You know, everyone kind of breathes and grow- goes through um, this process differently. Whenever you find out that your partner's pregnant, you like both of you together, you spend the next kind of you spend the time thinking about, oh, well, what what's going to happen over the next nine months? So you kind of already have that plan in place of, oh, we can't do this anymore. We're going to be doing this instead. And so you kind of already have, like, you had, you had the next nine months and even longer kind of forming in your head. You kind of have this picture of what your life is going to be like. And then when 
your partner miscarries, that's suddenly all kind of taken away from you. So it's quite difficult in the immediate aftermath to kind of readjust, I suppose. And you're there trying to help your partner through it as best you can. Um, and I suppose after a while, you one of you kind of approaches the subject of, well, are we going to try again? When are we going to try again? How long do we leave it? And I think for me in our situation, I kind of always was led by my partner Ellie. Um, I didn't feel that it was kind of, it was kind of always how Ellie was feeling about things that kind of led the way. I, I just didn't know what to do with all these emotions and I just didn't know what was right, what was wrong, if it was natural, if it wasn't, if it was normal, if it wasn't. I had all these feelings kind of going around and I don't write or anything like that, but I've got nobody in my life, no family, no friends, no colleagues that's ever been through any type of pregnancy or, or baby loss. So the only thing I had was Instagram or Google and I just thought, if I just write everything down when it's happening, when it's raw, I can come back to this another day and I can look back and think, okay, yeah, I wasn't on my own doing that. So for me, it was a bit of a diary to kind of reflect on and know that it happens. I think sometimes when you go through something like this, you can it's quite easy to block it out and it's quite easy to kind of forget. And maybe that's why it does go into such a taboo because a lot of people deal with it better not um not remembering and that's fine but for me i i couldn't deal with that that i struggled with the taboo of it and i struggled that there wasn't a lot of information out there so i just my first instinct was just to write things down being able to incorporate my heavenly babies into my everyday life and family life um especially with my son just makes it normalizes and, and really brings to light that that they were here they existed, and they are part of our family, even though their physical presence isn't here any longer. Can you imagine that must have been really difficult for you to get to that to where you are now with it? Yeah, I think that um, you got to take it as one day at a time, you know, one step at a time, one moment at a time, to where you can get to this place where you're you're willing to talk about it more openly, but really be able to do some type of ritual or memorial on an annual basis but don't get me wrong like those dates are still very hard to not know whether you'd have a baby in your arms in a month's time let alone a year's time was just brought so much uncertainty to your life and you're almost on on tender hooks not knowing what was going to happen and for me i think in one of the pieces we wrote we alluded to it it's not just that moment of the loss of the day that, that we miscarry and, and you have that grief it's the months of trying for a baby when you know it wasn't straightforward for us uh, certainly at the start to, to conceive and the anxiety that comes over uh, every time of the month when you're waiting to see the uh, if we've been successful or not and then obviously as soon as you're pregnant it's every single day for us after the first loss was torture just wait and see if it would happen again and so it was this this current nightmare that we could never really get out of we've got a large extended family i mean i'm 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 British Asian by background. We've got a large extended family. So, you know, over the last, you know, over the 10 years that it took us to, to essentially have Ethan, we've had people get married, have one kid, 
two kids and it's just a constant people asking you questions or when you're going to have a baby mm. and then people stop asking when you when you respond rudely and say it's none of your business <laughs> um <laughs> i mean especially within the asian community um it's it's almost like oh you're married or when you're gonna have a kid almost straight away i think I guess in any community not just not just the asian community but um you know people do ask questions and i think i think they shouldn't um I mean, they wouldn't ask a man that question, um, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been really hard. It's a taboo subject still, which is a real shame. And a lot of people try and raise the awareness, but a lot of people that I've spoke to who uh, do not want people to know that they've gone through miscarriage or do not want um, anyone to know that they've gone through. And that's in their own private kind of life and that's their own prerogative but if you don't share then you don't learn and you don't open yourself up to help and kind of confiding in people who you don't necessarily know and um, who, who can help you more sometimes than the people that you do know. Miscarriage it happens a lot I don't wish it on anybody but it is you know it's not your fault I have to keep telling myself it wasn't my fault I didn't do anything wrong nothing you could have done to change it um, I just have to think that it was, you know, something wasn't right. And that's, you know, took that in God's hands and it went, you know, something was wrong. So, so I'm lucky. Hopefully we have a good, healthy baby with this one. Um, I didn't think I'd get pregnant that fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are, we're happy where things are. It's been a huge learning curve for me. Professor Bourne and his team, really important work, really, really crucial work, at quantifying the mental health aspects of, of miscarriage. Uh, and what they were able to do was to study the level of um, PTSD after miscarriage, and they were able to um, survey uh, women uh, not just soon after miscarriage, when you would expect there to be a degree of trauma and anxiety and um, stress and so on, but they were able to follow these women up uh, to nine months and beyond. And what they found was that there was a significant risk of PTSD that wasn't just short term, uh, but you know it was actually a, a long term problem for for many women. Just as a sort of anchor, think about why do I turn to myself? in such a different way than I possibly would to anybody else that I cared about. Mm. And when, and that can be quite stark. I kind of reminder, it's not the golden bullet. It's not going to necessarily change your behavior overnight, but it's a place to start just beginning to think about how we turn to ourselves. We're not doing any proper preconceptual counseling and not getting people as fit as possible for pregnancy, you see. So we're, we're trying to change it. So it's not about how many miscarriages you have. It's after every miscarriage, people get some advice as to how to improve their chances next time. But the amount of how far we go increases with the number of miscarriages. So we're going to try and get rid of the term recurrent miscarriage and have a graded approach to miscarriage. So everyone who miscarries gets something. That's, that's, that's where we're, we're really fighting for that as a Tommy's team at the moment. It doesn't matter if you don't know quite what words to use and um, sometimes all it is is I just really just don't feel like 
something's right I'm really worried I'm really concerned and that can be enough um, it doesn't matter that you don't know the language it doesn't matter that you can't really put your finger on exactly what's wrong um, you know as long as you are asking for that help um, and you know the, the more that you can say the better but you know it can be a really emotive time and sometimes words can escape um, if you're worried about going to an appointment I always suggest either you can write down what you want to say before you go because sometimes when you get in there your mind can just go blank and it can be quite emotive and you don't feel like you've done yourself justice coming across so sometimes it's easier to write down what you want to say and again or you can record it on your phone, you know, whatever you'd rather do. And when you're there, write down what, you know, the doctor or the nurse or the midwife is saying to you as well, because then it's, it's quite easy to forget the conversation that you've had or what's been agreed or what's been said. So then you can come away and sort of reflect on it and have a look at it and see, you know, am I happy with that care? Am I clear with that care plan as to what's going on? And don't worry if you're not clear or if you're a bit confused. Um, again, just call back or call the early pregnancy unit um, and just say, I just want to clarify, you know, why this is happening. Because at the end of the day, it's your body, it's your care and it's your baby. I had no idea when I started this podcast what the response would be, if it would be welcomed or needed. I'm so happy, but also a bit humbled by the response. I read all the messages you send, and when I've doubted making this, they've helped. I love how some of this has helped you. I'm not sure if it's the pandemic or just the year of it with high-profile names sharing stories of their miscarriage and baby loss, which has helped open up the conversation more. I know when I started on this journey, there was hardly anything out there. Now it feels less lonely, I think. Also, in my world, I expect like beautiful presents. I have like... hit a milestone birthday, not one I thought I would have in a tier three coronavirus pandemic lockdown, but one that's happened nonetheless. And with it comes time to pause and reflect. And so I'll be taking a little pause from a weekly podcast to see in the new year. Fear not, there will be more episodes coming soon. I've some more ideas on topics that I want to explore. And on that, when I said you're part of this podcast, I meant it. I'd like to know what topics you want to hear, what stories are not being told, what questions are not being asked or answered. I've opened up a listener survey where you can have your say on this podcast and what you want to hear. You can find links to that on the website tryingagainpodcast.com. I also want to invite you to share your stories with me, your story told your way in new special listener episodes. If I take one thing from this entire series, it's that your stories are important and there's some of you who are happy to share them with me on the podcast. If you do want to, I'd love to be part of that. It could be a poem, a letter to your baby maybe, or a blog post that you've written or read. Or if you prefer to remain anonymous, you could write it and I'll arrange for an actor to read it on the podcast. My letter. My baby. How dare you? I'm very disappointed with you. I am your mother. It's my body. You should have listened to me and done what you were told. We were so excited to meet you. I think I saw you yesterday. You look tiny. Rolled up with your arms around your head. No mother should ever have to see their baby at that size outside of a scan. <laughs> Whatever your reasons, and I'm not sure I will ever understand. Just please. 
know that there was so much love here for you. <laughs> Mum. <laughs> it could be a song for your baby or a message of support for someone you love who may be struggling. Your story may also resonate with more themes that I'm going to be exploring on the podcast. If you want to get involved in any way, please get in touch, either on the website tryingagainpodcast.com, by email at tryingagainpodcast at gmail.com, or via social media DMs. If you've found this podcast because you're going through it right now, please know you're not alone. There's links to help available on the website tryingagainpodcast.com. If you've liked this episode, or you know someone who may want to share their story with me, please share it. And leave a review on your podcast app. It helps others find it. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out at the start of Series 2, which is coming soon. You can